Uh, I got someone commenting on uh, a, a recent episode that I, I sound more and more despondent with every post game because the losses just keep piling up. But I feel pretty good after this one. Uh, yes, the Knicks lost the game in Denver, but uh, I think there were some good things, and of course we're going to talk about them with, um, of course, one of our regular podcast guests, and that is everyone's favorite, Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how you doing tonight? Pretty good. You know, if we're if we're going by wins and losses, I would have liked to have seen a win, but no complaints with that game. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, so I'll be honest with you. I think for the first time all season um, going into tonight, I was kind of worried because, like, they've – they had some butt whippings earlier in the year, and I want to say after every serious ass whooping they've had, they came back with a nice effort. But that's a lot easier to do, I feel like, earlier in the year, and especially they don't have Mitch right now, who sadly slash shockingly has been like an integral part to their team, uh, the guy who hasn't played basketball in a year. Um, and I... like. It's a lot to ask for them to have come back off that Utah game, which was their worst game of the season, easily, in one of the toughest places to play in the NBA, and that's when Denver is like just mediocre, and they're the best team in the West this year. So yeah, I think to come back and basically have this be a game with under a minute to go, albeit one they ended up losing, was um, was a great sign. What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just touched upon one of the toughest places to play. I actually saw within the last month and a half or so, someone did a study on every single of the four major sports of every arena, every stadium, and which team had the highest home field or court advantage. And believe it or not, the Nuggets were the number one overall of all, um, <laughs> what is it, 126 or so? So it just goes to show that if the Knicks, who are one of the worst teams in the league, can make it a seven-point game in Denver considering what they just did in Utah – that's that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's a good night. And the the thing I I like about it the most is it it didn't feel that like they lost because they ran out of gas. It felt like they lost because well, one they're not nearly as talented as the Nuggets, but also um I thought the Nuggets hit a couple of shots that I don't want to say they were lucky shots, but um I I could have seen them not going in. I thought the defense on a couple of possessions, especially late was pretty good. Some unlucky bounces um, led to some offensive rebounds by the Nuggets, who ended up with 16 offensive rebounds tonight. Um, I actually thought it was more than that. And the Knicks missed more than a few bunnies uh, that I think maybe normally would go in. Um, I'm going to start with this question for you. Um, Who was your favorite Nick tonight? And Um, and you have to be objective. You know, uh, yes, no, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, even when he has a terrible night, it's always Frank Nielakina. No, tonight I would say that I was very impressed with Luke Cornett. Um, more in the beginning from a defensive standpoint, I thought he had a nice matchup with Plumley, where he, he did a good job of keeping him quiet. 
But offensively, I mean, hitting the corner three, hitting from deep or drawing three free throws, he is a massive upgrade from Canner, who offensively really brought it tonight. It was nice to see him in only 20 minutes get 17 and 12. Again, defense, it seemed like he was constantly getting destroyed on the pick and roll, or if he wasn't, then in terms of defensive switching, the Nuggets would find someone with the open three and the shot would fall. So I I kind of want to say Cornette. I would have said Knox if he hadn't faded down the stretch in yeah. both halves. So I'm going to pick up on, on both of those guys. I thought – so to me, it's like Cornette – and I just said it on the Periscope. I think the, the conversation you know, around him has been like, is this guy an NBA player? I think – the conversation now needs to change. Like, is this guy someone who could get rotation minutes on, I don't want to say every team in the league, but like most teams in the league. I mean, it's just, there, there aren't that many seven footers who could obviously, the three point shooting seems to be real, but like, like you just said on defense, he's not a, a good defender by any means, but he's, you know, he's passable, right? Yeah, with the right matchup, he's fine. I wouldn't like to see him long-term as a center. But, again, there's a reason why Clarence Gaines called him KP Light. He can do he, – he's very much a poor man's KP, but not in a negative sense. He, he can get the bare minimum of those qualities done, shot blocking and, and three-point shooting. So, yeah, he's absolutely a rotation piece. I don't know if that's going to be here going forward – Kind of hope it is because for minimum salary, you really can't go wrong with that type of depth. Yeah, and um, you know it'll be interesting to see if they could bring him back. What I the other thing I like about Cornette and a couple people on Twitter have mentioned this, and I think it's a good a good point. If you have him and KP on the on the same roster, and I don't know, you know, obviously who else they're going to get on here. Things may change depending on who they sign, but they really don't have to change the type of offense they run, um, or for that matter, the type of defense that they run. If you could just, you know, when you take KP out, you put Cornette in. Um, you say, you know, it's funny you talked about Knox, and then you mentioned before he faded down the stretch. I sent out a, the tweet of death, um, I think it was like three minutes into the third quarter, saying, Knox has 18 points, three, you know, early in the third quarter, and sure enough, he finishes with, with 18 points. Um the question that I have for you on Knox in terms of his fading, a few people on Twitter were critical of Moutier for not getting Knox the ball enough late. Um, did you see that? A bit, yes. I I feel like this was very much the Moutier game. Uh, we heard about it on the broadcast. There's really one to win for Moutier, and I'm sure Moutier... And he still finished with nine assists. Don't get me wrong, he was able to be an efficient passer and distributor, but I felt as though down the stretch he maybe um, took it upon himself more to start scoring. But I wouldn't just blame Moutier. I actually saw, at least what I felt, was um, whenever that whenever Knox was paired with Trier, which wasn't that often, but when it happened, Trier would just take all of the shots to the point where it was like, dude, Knox is the one who's cooking tonight. You really, you don't have to keep shooting the ball. You have other guys around you, and it felt like three out of four possessions where Trier would would just take the shot without even a passing glance at any other player, let alone Knox. Yeah, no, I I I agree. So a couple things there. I think Trier 
you know, I, I, he he was three for nine. Um, his field goal percentage has has definitely tailed off since he's been back. Uh, played nineteen minutes, nine shots in nineteen minutes. I mean, you know, that's kind of a lot. Um, only had two assists. He it's not like he doesn't have the ability to make some nice passes, but you know, we see it now time and again. He gets this tunnel vision. All that said, you got to remember. I know he's older for a rookie, but we're still talking about a rookie. Um, and I think he's still feeling his way. I think the worry that a lot of Knicks fans have is that he seems to have, you know, just the longest leash in the world. I mean, he had a terrible game. Nilakina, who we'll get to in a second, had, you know, arguably one of his best games of the season. Trier plays 19 minutes, um, or excuse me, Trier plays 19 minutes. Nilakina plays 18. Um, yeah, I can't kill Moutier, though, for the 20 shots. Like you said, it was his comeback game. I'll, I'll give him a pass. Did he freeze out his teammates a little bit towards the end? Uh, maybe. Um, let's talk but about... I, I do just want to add, I, I yeah, do sure. feel like it's it's not totally on Moutier with Knox. Um, I agree. There, there seemed to be points where he would just sort of... Um, he, he had a lack of aggressiveness in certain moments. And I, another thing that I found, actually... Um, so Knox, of players that take um, an average of three shots per game at less than five feet, uh, Knox ranks 156 out of 159 field goal percentage. Really? Because we see him around the rim, and he's just flailing out there. But to me, it's like, all right, well, if he's able to still score 18 points, and he's averaging, what, 12 a game, 11 and a half, somewhere around there, if he's able to do that while still being the fourth worst player in terms of shots within five feet i'm very okay with that yeah and and i think it's a great parallel to draw with trier you know i think i'm pretty sure i forget if it was us who had this conversation or i had it with um with zach earlier in the year it's like with trier you wonder are we seeing something close to his ceiling in albeit again in his rookie year but given his experience and, and how much he played in college with Knox, it's the complete opposite. He's doing all this despite the fact that he still doesn't really know what he's doing out there, which is probably what makes it so exciting. Um, let's talk about Frank because, listen. That was us and I stand by it. <laughs> that was what? That was us and I completely stand by it. That was us. Okay, good. still feel the same way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Frank. Frank, um, let's just go through the stat line. 18 minutes, 4 of 6 from the field, 2 of 3 from deep. Both of his uh, three-point makes looked just buttery. Um, had 10 points and 5 assists along with one steal, one very um, memorable steal that led to a Knox, um, I guess you'd call it a finger roll. Um I thought it was Frank's best game since the three games he played coming off of the three straight uh, DNP coaches' decisions. What did Was there one thing that stood out for you about Frank's game that um, you liked better than anything else? Yeah. You know, I mean, he wasn't super aggressive, but he kept it in check. It didn't feel like he was Dotson where he was um, – I felt like Dotson was kind of a, a puppy just flailing all over the place. I've used flailing too many times now. But <laughs> but uh, um, in terms of Frank, yeah, I I felt he was a little bit more patient in terms of his shot approach, but still aggressive in terms of execution. He didn't do it over and over and over again, but it was still nice to 
at least like there was this one moment where the Knicks were in the fourth quarter in the bonus for almost three quarters of that fourth quarter. And I felt it'd be great to start generating some contact because you either take it to the rack and hopefully get a shot in or you get fouled in the process, draw some contact and you're shooting two free throws. And we know Frank's a good free throw shooter as well. So I was hoping that a lot of the team would pick up on that. And Frank was really the only one to do it until Moutier did it maybe three or four minutes later. So that was one thing that I felt was really a nice uh, thing to see. It was great to, to see him recognize I can get to the hoop um, and, and just go from there. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more. I also I should point out that this was uh, the first game this season that Frank had 10 points and 5 assists. He had 5 such games all of last year. Um, if you're a glass half full Frank person like we are, you're like, great, progress. If you're a glass half empty person, you're like, eh, it's the first time he's done it this year. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I guess the conversation probably is going to center around should Frank have played more minutes. Um, I, I get why he, again, like it's, it's Moutier's return game with Denver. It's, you know, Moutier was playing pretty well tonight overall. Um, did you have a problem with Frank only playing 19 minutes or would you have liked to, to see him play more? I would have appreciated a few more minutes, but what actually bothered me more was I didn't love the fact that he checked in after 10 minutes had already gone by in the third quarter. I felt I, he could I have, agree. He could have gotten in there maybe around four, even five, sub them out. So that, that was a little. Too, that was the one thing in terms of minutes that I had a bit of an issue with with Fizz. Yeah, and I, you know, it's funny because we, it's almost been forgotten now that because since he he came off those DNPs, he's been playing pretty much exclusively at the point guard, um, which is where everybody wants him to play, and that's great. But I almost think that we could benefit from going a little bit the other way and have like yes. 100% 15 to 20 minutes a game at the point guard spot. But I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if he played another five, six, seven, eight minutes a game, um, you know, off the ball or, you know, sharing the, the, the floor with Moutier and seeing what those guys could do together. Cause I actually think they, they may benefit each other um, pretty well. So I don't know, maybe that we saw it for like a minute in the fourth quarter, but that was that. Um, okay. So, other than those three, um, who else? Did anybody else stand? Well, let's. There were a couple guys who didn't have great nights. Uh, did someone stand out for you in a in a bad way? It was a short rotation tonight. Only nine players. I thought Vonley wasn't having a great game. He was he was okay. Missed some shots he would normally make. Yeah. Yeah, you know, didn't love that Jokic was able to collect that triple double, but he's an MVP caliber player. So, could we, actually, could we hold on for a second? Could we just appreciate how freaking good Nikola Jokic is? Like that guy, nineteen points, fifteen assists, fourteen rebounds. Um. Eight blocks. of sixteen. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I f- oh, Jesus Christ, I forgot about the three blocks. I mean, I'm sure someone has it already on Twitter by the time we're we're doing this, but um, I can't imagine that there are too many of those games. That guy is, man, is he good? And he should get more. He, you know, he hasn't really been in the MVP conversation, but he probably should. Anyway, okay, enough about Jokic. Um, 
So Vonley didn't have a great game. Um, I I, I want to end on Timmy. D- did you think Timmy played okay, or did you did his de- his defense stood out to me as being particularly bad tonight? Am I seeing things, or did you did you notice that as well? No, I agree. It seemed as though there were at least three times where he would lose his man right under the basket, or there would be some sort of mismatch. There was also a play in the second half where there was a turnover, and he complained about it. It's kind of prompted yep. a tweet ahead where it was like, yep. I'm tired of seeing guys like Hardaway and Trier and even Moutier and even others where they're just like, come on, where's my call? And before you know it, everyone else is racing back on D, and then there's some sort of transition point or mismatch that then leads to a point in the half-court set. And, and I, that's the thing. It's where Hardaway, yeah, it's great that he's 7 of 12. It's nice to see that he's not shooting you know, I agree. below 35% a night. But what's the trade-off? Because at the end of the night, the other team scored only 7 more points, uh, and Hardaway only scored 16. And he only got to the line once. I, I thank you for pointing that out. Um he he goes as far as his his free throws will take him, and his free throws didn't take him very far tonight. Um, I don't know. I I think I think by and large the thing if I'm if I'm going to pinpoint one issue with Fizz so far this year, and I talked about it with Schwinn on the pod the other day, and I mentioned it just now in the in the Periscope. I I, I maybe not this year, but like moving forward into next season and, and beyond for however long he's the coach of this team. Um, he, he like these guys who are essentially gunners and, and I, I get you need shot creators, especially on this team. And like they have no shot creation and Tim is the only semblance of shot creation they have besides Trier. Um, but it, I just, God, at, at some point, you know, the leash needs to get shorter on a guy like that. And I, again, I don't expect it to happen this year and I'm not saying it should happen this year, but it's something that I am going to be watching, um, moving forward. So, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And someone was tweeting at me this past weekend. was saying like, how can you defend Cantor and yet have Tim Hardaway Jr. Start and it's sort of thing where Tim can at least put the ball on the court. Uh, he, he can handle, he can attack, he does things. He, If you're going to say that Cantor can score, Timmy's a scorer. And for a team that's going to be hopeless defensively and ha- doesn't really have much of a chance without him offensively, as much as I want that leash to tighten, I understand why he might be given the most slack. Yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating. It really is because I don't enjoy seeing him oh, I hate it. chucking shots and reverting back to the player that he was last year. But... but I get it. He's he's kind of a one man wrecking crew with other guys beside him who sometimes step up. Yeah, it just is what it is. Yeah, and I I think this whole year may be about Fizz trying to see if he can get Tim to um, a better place defensively, where he at least could maybe graduate to I don't know, passably bad. Um, I, I I don't know that he's going to get there. Um, we'll see. Um, but uh, I, yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. That's really all I got. It's a good, listen, it was a good, good loss. I, I know those are going to get tiring pretty soon, but, um, I, th- I think you have to keep things in perspective given again, the, the massive talent discrepancy, um, between these two teams. Uh, Jeremy, any, we're not going to hear from you for a little bit because we got a West coast trip and you know, you have a bedtime, um, that you have to be asleep <laughs> by. 
So you know, uh, nine nine thirty is very late for me. So I know these, these ten p.m. games are killer. I know, I know. I, I don't um, actually go to bed at nine. <laughs> um, <laughs> please, on nights that, that the Knicks don't play, I'm in bed by like eight thirty. Uh, so what happens when you get old? Um, you. Anything? Uh, <laughs> anything you want to plug or promote before we go? Yeah. Uh, well. First off is that uh, Andrew, Claudia, and I should be recording on Wednesday today if you're listening, which you would have to be listening today. Uh, so we'll be doing that. And I guess the, the one other thing that I wanted to end with is – and the, the Nick showed the graphic on MSG. Uh, for everyone who is an ardent tank supporter, I'm not going to say you're wrong because you're not. I just want to say that it really is all about where you find talent. I, because yes. Because this Nuggets team – Jokic was picked 41st. Jamal Murray was 7th. Um, Gary Harris, I believe, was 19th. Juancho Hernan Gomez, 15th. In addition, the Pacers, who are, I believe, the third best team in the East, they have not had a pick higher than 10th since, I think, 1989. Yeah. And they're doing great things. So it's really just about collecting talent in terms of draft picks, which hopefully the Knicks can do come trade deadline. And a good player development system and, and hoping for the best and getting the right coaching. And hopefully they do have the right coaching and that this is just Fizdale growing and going from there. But again, you, you don't have to root for every loss because at the end of the day, it's a, it's all a crapshoot. Yeah. And I just want, you know, since you brought it up, I'll say one, one thing on that, just so everybody listening understands there is their, their chances of getting the number one pick. Um, which obviously everybody assumes is going to be Zion. Um, they they don't change whether they have the worst record, the second worst record, or the third worst record. And I think if they f- get the fourth worst record, it it drops by like I don't know two percent, um, something like that. It, it's basically the only difference is like how far you can fall in the draft, and like. You know, am I going to sit here and say it's not going to matter whether or not they pick fifth or sixth or seventh if, you know, assuming they don't get the number one pick? No, I can't say that because look at, you know, look at last year. Um, Luka Doncic, you know, fell to third and, I mean, essentially was, if like really at the end of the day, it was kind of like the fifth pick because like, you know, of that trade and I, I understand uh, Dallas gave up a future first to get him, but like, yes, it matters. I get that. But yeah, the Knicks are going to have to win some games from here on in. And like those wins are going to be important. And they're sitting here now. They've lost eight in a row. And I guarantee you it, it's going to get harder and harder and harder for Fizz to keep these guys' chins up. And if he does, I mean, that'll just be another another feather in his cap. But, um, yeah, I'm happy you said that. Thank you for, for bringing that graphic to light because it is important. Um all right, so everybody check out Jeremy's um, pod that's going to drop with Andrew Claudio. Uh, I guess it's what? It'll drop tomorrow? Uh, it'll drop on Thursday, Thursday the 3rd. Thursday the th- Okay, Third. so it'll, it'll well, by the time you're listening to this, it probably will be tomorrow. So, um, yeah, Jeremy, thank you for staying up past, uh, you know, sneaking out of your, your, your house and, and into the treehouse and, um, and recording this. I, I really do appreciate it. Of course. Thanks. i got to get back to the crib now, but I'm talking to you. <laughs> All right. And, uh, of course, out there, thank you very much for listening. Um, we will um, be back with you. Uh, we are recording another podcast tomorrow, Wednesday, 
uh, with a very, very, very special guest. Not that Jeremy's not special. He is. Um, but uh, someone that I think everybody's going to like. So I'll leave you hanging for that. And uh, until then, hope everybody uh, is well. And yeah, let's start off the new year uh, right. Right.